Yeah. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Team Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker. I'm joined, as always, by Matt. Football season's almost over. Chamberlain. How's it going, Matt? Splendid. Ryan. Just good. Uh, just no, not great. Just good. You know? Just good. Some college basketball going on. You know, it's starting to get in the thick of that season. I don't know what's going on. I know some some games action. Yeah, some some uh, Big Twelve SEC crossover games going on this past weekend. Uh, so that was that's been fun, I guess. Our OSU Cowboys blowing a big lead on the road. Yeah. Um, hey, at least uh, you know we can uh, look forward to the postseason for the Cowboys. Oh wait, that's right. Uh, yeah, the the, ba- the ban uh, from the postseason this year. Yeah, that's right. You like okay. that new uh, rule the NCAA put in about like cannot penalize a team if like none of the players from the current like the fraction are on the team anymore. Yeah. I did. I saw that, and it's just it, it's not surprising, you know. So I saw some people surprised on Twitter. Not surprised. Wouldn't added OSU on that one. Yeah, the uh, the um, NCAA is a corrupt corporation, and I'm gonna stay stand by that one. Stand by that take. Yeah, hey, we we get a lot of things right. We get a lot of things wrong with this pod. Mm-hmm. That, that's definitely the right one. <laughs> There's no two ways looking about that. But There's we're not some... here. We're here to talk about the NCAA Matt and uh, the corruption that goes on there. We're here to talk about the NBA, and I'm and I'm excited. <laughs> Pivot, investigative journalism piece. No, just kidding. Uh, we're we're here to talk about the NBA and all the shenanigans, and we're heading into what some people call silly season and the trade deadline. Um, and we'll get into some mid-season surprises as we talked about mid-season disappointments last time. Uh, but let me remind everyone to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod or on Instagram at Couch GM Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on the podcast platform of your choice. If you haven't already, give us a rating and review. That would be a great help to us. If you missed episode 131, uh, we talked about midseason disappointments. We also had some league pass teams. I had the 76ers. They are currently 29 and 19 after starting out kind of abysmally and kind of slow uh, as Joel Embiid was hurt. But now Embiid's playing at an MVP level. I said it last time, Jokic is the MVP. And now I have to say it on this podcast that Embiid's the MVP. I mean, he's just been playing out of his mind, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's kind of having to do it to get them to win. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. I can't the dude for putting up like 40, feels like every night. So I get it. What What was the game? I think it was uh, last week where he put up some like 40 plus points and they still lost. It was just like the most like, sad game ever get the dude some help yeah get the dude some help get ben simmons out of there as a giant trade asset they could use um you know (sighs) i couldn't i couldn't imagine you know after they tanked for so many years if they had anybody sitting at home not doing anything surely they don't have anybody like that on their roster right uh julio (laughs) (laughs) Um... close enough and then matt on the other end, had the Spurs as his league pass team of the week. Uh, they are currently 1931. Matt, any takes about the Spurs that you walked away with after watching them for, for a week? Yeah, DeJounte Murray is very good. Um, 
a minimum double double every night near triple double or triple double it feels like now yeah the game seems very easy for DeJounte Murray um very smooth player you know very comfortable in the pick and roll uh him and Jakob Pertle have a really good pick and roll partnership um and he's he's just a joy to watch yeah I it's like I like the idea of all the like younger prospects it feels like on the Spurs now it's not all coming together for wins, but I, DeJounte Murray obviously is the one who stands out above all the rest. Um, mm. They won a couple games this week, so good on the Spurs. I mean, they're not like going anywhere, but uh, if teams in these next couple weeks want to come calling about Murray, that price is going to be uh, probably a little heftier than I think we all thought it would be if we've had this discussion at the beginning of the season. Put it that way. Let's just say if Philadelphia were to call about uh, Ben Simmons for DeJounte Murray, how many picks would Philadelphia have to include to get DeJounte Murray from the Spurs? Three? Classic example of like why the deal won't get done. Right. In creation because the Spurs are like, DeJounte is like playing one and two, <laughs> like playing incredible. And the Sixers are like, well, we have Ben Simmons. And it's like, I feel like there's just going to be two people staring at each other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they both have like the better asset. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing is like the 76ers, like data point wise, kind of have a point. Like he's made all star games, he's made all NBA teams, he's been on defensive, you know, all the de- all in all defensive teams. But like when you when, when the lights are shining the brightest, when it's playoff time, teams are just like they don't. He doesn't perform. So, like, what's the point in training for him? You know? I guess so, we'll transition point. that point into our news segment. And I'm going to go ahead and flip this order since we just hit that. Mm. Uh, stay on this quick Ben Simmons sweepstakes. The Sacramento Kings are apparently out of, of that sweepstakes. Um, I don't know. It could just be a ploy to get the Sixers back to the negotiating table. Um, be like, well, okay, hold on, let's reconsider. Or it could just be like, hey, we're out. Like, this is stupid. We're wasting our time. Couldn't tell you which one. Could believe both. Mm. Uh, I mean, again, probably gets to a level of like the Sixers probably feel like they deserve two good players and like three picks. And the Kings are like, "Um, we'll do a player and a pick. Or something like that, you know? Right. Or if we're trading you, De'Aaron Fox, like, we want a future pick from you. Like, yeah. I, who like has the, a mindset there? Right. And I, I don't know. Like, that's kind of an interesting point. I think I sent you a text early in the week uh, about a rumor about uh, the Hawks saying no to a deal. It was like Bogdanovich and Collins and like three first round picks for Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. It's like, what? take the picks out i don't even think if i was the hawks i would do that deal straight up like players for players yeah like john collins for ben simmons i'm hanging up the phone immediately if i'm atlanta and like i i I just want john collins and you can't tell me tobias harris is better than bogdanovich like so yeah i think that's that's where all this just gets out of whack is 
the Sixers probably more than anything is they have to find another team that values Simmons the same way they do, or has a player that's in an equally, you know, crappy mindset situation of like, I don't want to be here. So like, just get something for me, which maybe is James Harden. Maybe not. Who knows? That's not happening this season though. So yeah. And that's like the thing is I keep coming back to you. Are the Sixers really going to be that negligent with this type of Embiid season and just not give him any help and punt on the season? Like you're, you're like another player away from being a serious championship contender. Like that's it. As we know that we will slightly talk about in the next segment, but um, we've been hinting on last week as well is like the bulls are about to fall out like of this top tier, the nets we talked about with the KD injury, like who knows what this team's going to look like here over the next four weeks with KD out and Kyrie only playing half the games and Harden's been battling injuries too. So it, this is a mess. This is why we love the NBA. Um, let's move on to more of a mess and then we'll circle back. Um, you like that? We'll circle back. Nice. Nice. There you go. There you go. Um, So we'll go all-star starters next for this news bit. Um, So, again, it's the same old format of three front court players and two guards. Um, East, not really a lot of problems here, though. Uh, Kevin Durant, who won't play in the game, but gets obviously the vote. So Kevin Durant, Giannis, Joel Embiid, DeMar DeRozan, and then Trey Young. And it's always Trey Young and someone that's like, does he really deserve this or not? We'll come back to that in a moment. Um, in the West, obviously LeBron, Jokic, Steph, John Morant makes his debut. Mm. And then the one that darn near broke the internet, Andrew Wiggins was voted an all-star starter in the Western Conference um, as a front court player. I literally gasped out loud when I read my phone when I saw that notification, and my wife was sitting. The fake Shams account, you know. Like, yeah, and, and my wife like was sitting in the room with me, and she goes, "Oh my god, what happened? Who died?" I was like, uh, "Andrew Wiggins was named All Star starter," <laughs> and then she yelled at me for overreacting <laughs> to sports. Um, but that's another conversation. Uh, so yeah, I, I just don't understand. Like, Andrew Wiggins is a having a fine season for him but it's not like i would consider that a starter in the all-star game yeah no and like again this is why we come back we've talked about this the last week or two fan vote should not be 50 percent. if it's gonna matter on the hall of fame resume or the all-time player rankings of how many all-star games did you make the fan vote cannot matter this much. Andrew Wiggins was third in fan vote amongst front court players. Just because Golden State has a, obviously massive fan base, both in the United States and in Asia, which is cool, all for it, but they can't, like Andrew Wiggins can't be third in fan voting, counting for 50% of the vote. Like, that's ridiculous. I feel like that's a situation where the NBA needs to step in and be like, yeah, maybe not, you know, <laughs> like just like override the system. Uh, Cause like, I don't know, like other guys, cat 
definitely might deserve. I mean, we could debate on. Yeah, just looking at the top 10 front court list. And again, there's a whole nother debate on like why this is stupid to have front court and back court. But Draymond, I think, is more deserving. Rudy Gobert mm. is more deserving. Carlton mm. Towns is more deserving. DeAndre Ayton is more deserving. And those are just the guys who finished in the top 10. Mm. You know, like Luca, I technically I get why he's a guard, but he's the size of front court player. Devin Booker plays enough off ball. He should have been considered for front court, in my opinion, but whatever. Like there are other guys. Anthony Edwards plays a lot of, you know, three minutes. Like I would choose all of those guys over Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, it's frustrating. Cause like, even I think you mentioned this off the pod is like, why is clay Thompson getting so many all-star votes when he's played like 10 games yeah. a season? Like why is like Kyrie Irving has played, I, I don't know, like five games. It feels like, like, why is he getting all-star votes? Like, can we just like set some sort of a requirement that that allows uh, the NBA to like weed out the players who haven't played enough minutes or haven't played enough games? Yeah. Certain like amount of on the ballot, right? Like, right. It doesn't matter what the fan vote is for them. Like they're not even on the ballot. Like, you can vote them all you want. Like, right. They're not eligible. Right. You know, and like, does that really sway anything when you do that? I mean, probably. Like Derrick Rose finished. Uh, what ninth in East Guard voting? Like, why? Like, how did he finish above Jalen Brown? You know, he hasn't like, played since like uh, early December. What was it? Like yeah. middle of December? Yeah, yeah. Like he was 14th in the player vote. Like he wasn't even close. And but because he got such a high fan vote, he like finished above Jalen Brown. Like that's stupid. Like Kyrie Irving was sixth in fan vote. Like you said, he's played a handful of games. Like, right. how did he finish above Darius Garland? Who's Stupid. been incredible all year. Actually, actually carried his team, you know, and has played both home and road games. So, <laughs> what, what a wild thought there. Um, so, like, this, you know, has kind of gone in a separate direction, which I'm totally okay with. Mentioned this in previous years, bring it up again, bring it up till the day I die. This has got to get fixed. This is stupid. I'm tired of seeing Kamal Anthony on the top 10 front court player votes. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, Melo's cool. I get it. Stop it. Just stop it. It's gotten worse because he's like a Lakers player now, right? And like, all the Lakers is like, oh, he's hitting like 50% from three early in the season and he's been so good. It's like, yeah, well, the Lakers are like sub 500. Like, yeah. Just, like, stop it with this shenanigans. Yeah. Like, get get votes to guys who deserve votes, you know? And, like, you can tell with the fan voting, like, who really does and doesn't watch basketball then at that point. Like, we just mentioned DeJounte Murray up at the top. 12th in fan voting. That's why his score so low. Mm. He was 5th in media voting and 6th in player voting. But the 12 on the fan vote is just tanking his score. Yeah. Not that he was going to start because Steph and Jaw were like just so clearly one and two. But like again, there's no reason he should be that low in the boat. So hundred uh, percent. Thankfully the coaches decide on the the bench players, or else this could it could 
could have gotten really egregious this year, I feel like. Do, you, do we want to comment on Trey real quick? I mean, we, we just had our Wiggins bit. I mean, if you want to make Wiggins your 12th all-star, like on your team, whatever, like injury replacement number two, cool, like whatever. But it's kind um, of t- it's kind of Trey. tough with Trey because like he's personally had a good year. The Hawks just like have not reflected that. And they had a good statistical year. Yes, yes, that's that's good. the way to say it. Yes, um, but like it, the way he's played this season, it doesn't feel like he's affected winning in the way that he did in the playoffs. Yeah, and definitely. and that's like I think to your point, like. I don't know if he's necessarily a starter. Like if Zach Levine, I feel like Levine would have been a good spot there. I would have loved Garland there, but uh, you know, I'm kind of a Cavs guy this year. I don't, I mean, there's a ton of other East guards that you can pull from here. I mean, LaMelo ball, maybe. Um, Sneaky Fred Van Fleet's been awesome. All yeah. Fred Van Fleet like is the guy that should honestly be in that spot but yeah Fred Van Fleet and that's ultimately the point is like he plays in Toronto and like doesn't get nearly enough national tv time as Trey Young and so that's probably some of it yeah it is so it's kind of a bummer but um I mean good for Trey he's back in back in the all-star all-star game like he should be in the game like I think that yeah 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 for sure it's just to your point it's silly that guys who are people who don't necessarily watch a ton of NBA games, like they're going to vote for the flashier names and Fred Van Fleet isn't necessarily that flashy name right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that we're off that, so <laughs> let's move on. Uh, last few bits here. Uh, Stanley Johnson, who we shouted out last week uh, more on, on our Lakers segment um, has agreed to a deal with the Lakers for the rest of this season and for next season. Although next year is a non-guaranteed deal, but Hey, you know what? I think the Lakers at this point should be like, you know what? We should keep this guy around. Um, he's better than half the roster. So you know, smart by LA super cheap, obviously like actually a pretty good player now. So I like it. Do you think they could package him and tail and Horton Tucker for um, like Bradley Beal? Uh, I mean, make the phone call. Uh, <laughs> call it into the league, you know. Just skip, skip calling the Washington Wizards. Just c- put it into the league. Uh, better yet, should they trade for Kyle Kuzma? Um, <laughs> so uh, this is this is wonderful. Um, now injuries. Uh, last bit here. Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, has a fractured left foot. Um, haven't seen a timetable on it yet. I was watching that game actually when it happened. Mm. Uh, just landed. That's a yeah. That's a hard blow for the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, Derrick Jones Jr., who's actually already out with a knee injury, broke his finger <laughs> while being out um, with a knee injury and is now out six to eight weeks. Um, so that's the thing. Another Bulls injury there. That's just killer. They cannot catch a break. No, not at all. Um, and then two injuries for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Cody Zeller is out eight to ten weeks with knee surgery, which Cody Zeller, not the most important player, but depth, that team desperately mm-hmm. needs it. And Nasir Little, who's been one of the um, up-and-coming young players for the Trailblazers, has actually been like 
good this year has proven like he probably can be a starter in this league. He is now done for the season. Um, the shoulder injury that is requiring surgery. So Nasir Little, Dunzo, uh, Portland, again, just the year from hell right now. Yeah, I watched that game. I was watching that game when that injury happened. And it was kind of just like a weird arms get tangled and super sad because he's been, like you said, playing really well. And um, hopefully he recovers well and comes back next season strong. Yeah. So now we'll move on. Um, so we, we did disappointments last week. So now we'll go pleasant surprises um, mm. this week. So teams that were too um, undervalued to start the season. And even some of these teams we thought were playoff teams, just not to the degree they are. And some we just had lowly expectations for. And so we'll go four teams. Two of them are going to be more the obvious candidates. And two of them, I don't know if people would guess them off the top, Ryan. So that's who we'll start with. Okay. Let's start out West with the Phoenix Suns. Again, the Suns being good, I don't think is surprising because, I mean, they made the finals last year. But they're 36 and nine. (laughs) They're going to hit like 40 wins before the All-Star break. This is wild, including two wins over the Jazz just this week. Um, I, I mean, this is ridiculous, right? Like, they're just kind of blazing through everybody. Um, Devin Booker? Like, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. So, their step? Is, I mean, oh my gosh. Like, this team has been so good. Booker's been so good. Um, late in games, they've just killed teams, right? Like I was listening to a podcast this week and I guess they rattle off the stat that was like, the Suns are like plus 42 in close, close games, um, under five minutes and like score within five, a plus 42, like just killing teams in close games. Um, and some of that CP three, I, I think it's kind of fascinating though. Like we don't talk about any of their top players as like MVP in the MVP conversation as much. I don't remember a team that's been this dominant not have anybody in the MVP conversation. I mean, CP3 is mentioned, but uh, I mean, the last team I thought could think of was that like 2014 Atlanta Hawks team. Uh, but I think this Suns team is much better than that. I do too. I, I mean, they didn't have a Chris Paul on that team. They didn't have a Devin Booker on that team. Uh, Booker real quick. I'm starting to touch on him. So, He's been an all-star each of the last two years. He'll obviously be an all-star again this year. Ryan, in 2019-2020, that season, he took just under six threes a game. Shot 35%. Pretty good. Took five and a half threes per game. Shot 34%. That's like... League average. That's average. Yeah. This year, taking seven per game shooting 38%. So he's now taking more threes, making more threes, which is something we've talked about with Devin Booker. Everyone just assumed he was just like a shooter. And that was never actually really his game. He's always been kind of a mid-range guy, like get to your thing off of like a couple dribbles. And now this year, it's like he's unlocked how to score from the perimeter, like truly from like behind the arc, which – I mean, makes sense as the next logical progression. 
for an NBA player whose game is predicated on the mid range is you eventually just start backing up a couple feet. But I think it's always still a little surprising when it actually happens, you know, because we've seen so many guys that are just like, I like the mid range. DeMar DeRozan, for example, we just talked about the all-star. He, he just basically had like one or two years. He's like, okay, I'll shoot some threes. And then like basically never went back to it. Mm-hmm. Now Devin Booker, it's like, I mean, it's late clock situations. It's early clock situations. It's running off screens. It's, you know, ball in hand ISO. Like it just doesn't really matter the situation, how he's doing it. He's just kind of hitting everything <laughs> right now. Yeah, the I think the the area he's gotten better has been off the dribble threes, right? Like that's that's the one area that's kind of bump, helped bump that percentage up. Um, but yeah, he's just been incredible. Pick and roll has been his bread and butter for a long time, but if he can consistently hit the three off the dribble and pick and roll situations at a 38, 40% clip, I mean, that makes the Suns team the most dangerous in the NBA. Like, I feel like we're not talking about the Suns as nearly as much as we should. And I guess that's some of, some of this topic here, but I, I mean, aren't they like, shouldn't we consider them the title favorites right now? Like I, I hear a lot about like a lot of teams coming out of the East. Wouldn't, I mean, I just feel like the Suns team is the most cohesive right now. That's what makes the most sense, to be honest. Like, let's be honest, this is a pick and roll league, first yeah. of all. It's like, it just is, especially come playoff time. You have Chris Paul, who might be the best point, like true point guard at running pick and roll. And Devin Booker is averaging like five and a half assists a game also. And honestly, like once he gets into the pick and roll and if he can get into his mid-range, like he's killer there. We saw it obviously last playoffs, but now if teams go under to stop him from just getting to the mid range, now he's hitting the three too. So if you go over, you're going to let him do his thing to get to his mid range. If you go under, now he's smart enough to see the read and pull it back and hit the open three. So that again, that's development, and that's you know Chris Paul. That's just reps. Um, yeah, I mean you can't ask for much more as the Suns. And then you have just like the good role players that fit it, like Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, um, Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. And most importantly in this pick and roll, aside from the ball handlers, is the role man, DeAndre Aiden. So both him and Chris Paul are averaging double doubles this year. Um, re- obviously, Aiden's doing it with points and rebounds, Paul's doing it with points and assists. I mean, they're, they can play pick and roll, you know, dive man, throw it up. They can spray it out to the corners. Even Mikhail can do a couple dribbles and pull up. I, I mean, I'm not sure what offensively, like you think when you're trying to scheme against a team, like what are we going to take away? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, love- like the whole thing in playoff defense is like take corner threes away and shots at the rim. And like, the, the Suns, Suns cool <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, we'll just take these mid-range shots that you're giving us. And, like, that's what made them so deadly in last year's playoffs. I think it's kind of interesting, like, the Aiton hype has kind of died off since the playoffs. Like, a lot of people were hyped yeah. about him during that playoff run. And I know he's been out in and out some this season, but he's been still really good and, like, a really that's good anchor, an- yeah. anchor to the defense there. And I – I mean, I just don't want to see this team for seven games. Like, if it come playoff time, like, I don't – like, if you're the Lakers, 
like you could le- legitimately see this team in the first round again. And That's you wild. you don't want any part of that, right? As the Lakers. No, that'd just be a nightmare. Like defensively having to figure out who to guard, where to be, how to execute it consistently. Like and they have going to have like 20 points. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest testament to like CP3's legacy is all of a sudden Bismack Bianco, Biombo getting a 10 day contract and then having like 20 and 12 consistently all of a sudden. Just wild. So yeah, with this Suns team, and then we really haven't mentioned the other side of the ball much for them is defensively, like, again, when you just, you when you can maintain a roster, and we've talked about this point before, and it's a quality roster, like, the defense is only going to get better. Mm. You know? mm. As long as you can, like, manage minutes, manage rotations, shout out Tibbs for not doing that. Uh, <laughs> like, the defense is going to, like, hold up or get better and it is like and that shows like Devin Booker's trying more on defense obviously Aiden's a, a very good room protector like their wings are still just flying around guarding other teams' wings and they can switch a lot they can basically play whatever scheme they want defensively switch drop hedge w- trap w- like they can do whatever they want on defense and I think that's just again more testament to similar with their offenses whatever it is you think you want to do or make them have to do, they're like, okay, like, cool. Like, yeah. We can win that way. I think that's what makes the Suns team so much better than honestly, just about every other team, if not every other team period. Is Bonnie Williams coach of the year? It's hard because we're getting to see these other surprise teams where it's just like, I don't know what your expectation level was. And also like, let's just be honest. Like there's always like a newness factor that Mm. contributes to these awards of like, wow, we really didn't see that coming versus like Sunset. It's like, you made finals. Yeah. You are better, but it's kind of like how we would get into guys like when MIP and it's like, should you win the MIP again? I know we can't do that, but Mm. you know, like those type conversations. But I'm 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 here for Monty Williams for Coach of the Year, at least in the discussion. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, it's just like I said, it's so odd that we have this dominant team that's really not in any any conversations for any sort of award. And yeah. like I, you would figure that the coach would be, and I, I don't really hear his name brought up a lot in those types of conversations right now either. Um, but I I mean. He's going to have a case at the beginning, at the end of the year. They're probably going to hit 60 wins, somewhere around 60 win mark. <laughs> at this point, I mean, almost feels like a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's their rec- pace right now? They're it- 36. They're winning like 81% of their games. So it's 82 times. And they're on pace to win like 66 games right now. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. That's ins- that's oh my gosh yeah I mean that I if they win sixty six it's gonna be hard to not give him coach of the year I feel like I know that would be wild to win sixty six games and not get that yeah um and not have an all star starter either that's ridiculous um anyway let's move on let's go to the East Coast now okay so 
the Miami Heat are absolutely surging. They were a team that I think both of us liked going into the year, but we were cautious about what their regular season record would be. Mm. Yeah. Well, here they are um, sitting atop of the East as of this recording, um, 32 and 17, uh, a game and a half up on the now injury ridden Chicago Bulls. I mean, we'll get into this. Ryan, the Heat have two 20-point-per-game scorers. Who are they? I know one of them Jimmy's, is Jimmy Butler. Yep. Uh, my other guess would be Tyler Hero. You are correct. Oh, look at that. So, again, we can tie us back to All-Star. How in the world is Jimmy Butler not – getting a start in the all-star game like man it is ridiculous it's because he's listed as a front court player i know like that's just ultimately it but trey young starting and jimmy butler's not it's i it's kind of crazy like this heat team has really flown under the radar kind of like the suns like i mean they they had a long stretch where jimmy butler wasn't playing right bam was out Kyle Lowry has been in and out and they just kind of had this hodgepodge team and they just kind of kept winning games. And I mean, like that just go, it goes, they're not the flashiest team. They're not going to like do the crazy stuff. They just beat the crap out of you. And they, they just keep coming. Like they're such a relentless team. They're fun to watch. I mean, Jimmy's incredible. Um, Bam's starting to come on. We'll get into that more here in a second, but like they're they just find these like bench guys. We've talked about it before on the podcast, like Max Struess, right? Yeah. Gabe Vincent, uh, Caleb Martin, right? Like just random guys coming out of nowhere to give them important minutes when some of their uh big name starters are out, and they just they just play harder than everyone else. Yeah. Um you mentioned guys being out. Jimmy Butler, 31 games this year. Bam, 24 games. Kyle Lowry, 39 games. I mean, basically, thank God for Duncan Robinson being able to play 46 games. I mean, like, <laughs> and he's been, like, kind of mediocre until, like, the yeah. last week or so. Yeah. The, I, I mean, he's got his three-point percentage up to 37%, so it's still really good. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's just bad for him. He's always been over forty percent, you know, and like that. It's just kind of fascinating. This team has such good infrastructure. Uh, Eric Spolstra is such a good coach, and they just kind of crank out these wins. Like they beat the Hawks. Like I feel like every time they played each other this yeah. year. The again, like you said, like they. It feels like just whoever they put on the court just always knows what they're doing. The only guys on this team that have had 40 games played this year, you mentioned Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, PJ Tucker, Dwayne Dedman. The only <laughs> on the roster to hit 40 games played this year. Out of their like 50 games, essentially. <laughs> yeah, because they're what what do we say? 32 and 17. They played 49 games. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's wild that that's the only five guys that have played 80% of your games. <laughs> and 
they're at the top of the East. So you're right. It, I mean, the Heat probably do as good of a job as anybody at finding all the role players and just making it work. Because they play like basically glorified men's league basketball. Like, let's just be honest. This is a slow team, 29th in terms of pace. Like they are slow. They ain't trying to get run out on anybody besides like bam, grabbing the rebound and just saying screw it. Like and just going coast to coast. They don't, it's just let's just get it down, pass around a little bit. Eventually someone's just gonna cut, find a three, be open, put it up. They're not doing like this, like incredible, beautiful mind offense, but they're just gonna, you know, kind of be a basketball team. Yeah. And when you're a really tough team, which like all these guys are, you know, the quote unquote tough guys, um, I, I, I guess that still matters. They're like the San Francisco 49ers of the NBA, you know, but. A little better than regular season. Like they're just like we're going to tough you, yeah, tough you, and we're going to be skilled enough to where like it balances and completes it for a win. Yeah, like they just play hard on defense. They fly on defense, fly around on defense. They have some really just smart, intelligent players on the defensive side. Um, and I just I don't know. Like Kyle Lowry helps this team a ton when he's playing. Um, it, this team, like you think long term up playoffs and i don't i don't want to play them for seven games like I, if you're i don't know the philadelphia 76ers do you want to see them if you're yeah. the nets do you want to see this team no and it's like while you might feel like you can out scheme them like they're just gonna be a pain in the butt yeah like they're not gonna go away like i said they're just this relentless team who just keeps coming and coming and i mean Jimmy Butler is, I mean, he's the leader of that team, and this team embodies his mindset the best. That's some of his mindset, right? Just keep coming at you. And I think when it comes playoff time, Kyle Lowry, who we haven't really touched on, who's been fine this year, like averaging like 13, 8, and 5. Like, that's good. Like, but he's only shooting like 33% from three. You got to feel come playoff time, like all those numbers take like a slight tick up. Yeah. You know, like it's just going to be one of those, like, okay, let, let's go. And it's going to work. So, I, again, like you were mentioning, I mean, they're going to be a top three seed. I feel pretty confident saying that. It feels mm. like absolutely. If you're one of these better teams that somehow just hits a rough patch and falls to like sixth, that just an absolute nightmare. I mean, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you're currently sitting at the five. Do you want to see them in the first round again? You saw them in the first round last year. I mean, you guys think Milwaukee. The, the Bucks Brooklyn. might be the worst matchup for the Heat, honestly. Yeah, just because Giannis is like, okay, I'll match, you know? Okay, come here, bam. I'll dunk yeah. on you. Sure. Like, Whatever, if Miami, for example, stays at one, the Bucks and the uh, Nets would should be fighting to go like two, three, you know, mm-hmm. just not play the Heat. Like, let's just be honest. Just avoid that side of the bracket entirely. Yeah, That's what I mean, 
you can only control so much but yeah um and like i know you made the honest comment just now but bam is someone that needs to be talked about because he's doing again just a he does a little bit more offensively every single year and we've seen it like when jimmy butler's got tossed for example um what was that indiana game or something I think so, yeah. Something like that. Saying, I don't be here. Got two quick texts. Was gone. I blame him. Um, <laughs> and Bam was just like, all right, give me the ball. And mm-hmm. went and won the game. Like, like all night. Like Because that was like early in the game, but Jimmy got tossed. I think what you're seeing from Bam is we came back from injury. Defensively, he's as good as ever. Switching, protecting the rim, the whole bit. And offensively, like, yeah, like the shooting is still like not awesome. Like it just is what it is. Like he's probably just never going to be a three point shooter, but he's or even honestly to God like a jump shooter. But he's figuring out how to just use his massive frame and just overall strength to finish at the rim. And he's knocking down free throws also, taking six per game, making him at a seventy. 70- eight percent clip bam is just figuring out every single season how to be a more mm. skilled off player and it's, he doesn't have to be like the touch the ball every time focal point like some bigs do um not saying that's a bad thing for like joel or sabonis or anyone else like that but like he can play with and without the ball he can play as the screener and roll he can you know go short roll and pass to the you know max Struess in the corner you can just kind of give him the ball and let him do his thing a little bit now i think bam again i probably not a Giannis stopper but might be able to not only handle the defensive assignment but then not be a zero on offense as well Mm. you know a, a low positive he might be able to be a you know above average positive offensive player and still being an elite defensive player I mean, that's always been the thing with Bam, right? Like, even a couple years ago when they made that finals run, is like, offensively, he just needed someone else to help him yeah. go. go, And defensively, he was amazing. Um, and now, like you're saying, he can kind of do a little something-something on the offensive end. Which that's relatively all you need. Right. right? You got to think, if you can get... 16 to 20 points out of bam every night in a playoff game that's a huge win about your team then yeah i mean like if you're thinking like you have to score a hundred and like five ish points and bam counts for 20 like you're kind of that's what a little under 20 percent yeah but i mean still like you gotta feel really really good about that the way this team can shoot threes yeah Right. And his two man game with like Duncan Robinson is just, it's incredible. And yeah. like that, that, that you, you go, I mean, it's the whole Draymond Steph thing, right? You go under the screen, uh, you're shading off Bam, and then all of a sudden Duncan Robinson is shooting wide open three. Mm-hmm. And just the more that he can just get that kind of movement and understanding of the game and like where to be, how to like execute that stuff, like, that's the thing like that we were encouraged for with this team going into the playoffs. We just underestimated how quickly in the regular season they'd be able to do it and maintain mm. it. 
and give him credit. They are <laughs> like to a way higher level than you'd ever expect. Um, let's go back to the West. So the Grizz, again, two obvious teams here. You know where we're going next. Again, the Grizz just deserve all the all the love, all of it. Because let's just be honest, like we don't know how many years the Grizz are going to be good. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd like to think a long time because John Morant is an absolute superstar in this league. Um, and that's where the story begins and ends. And sure, there's more guys, but that's where this begins and ends, Ryan. Um, I, in, in, any thoughts we haven't said on John Morant you feel the need to get out there? So I'm going to bring this up, and I brought this podcast up earlier. So uh, Draymond Green was on the Old Man and Three podcast this past um, weekend, uh, this past week, I guess. And he made an interesting comment. I kind of want to hear get your thoughts on this. So JJ Rake asked Draymond, who are one, some of the smartest players you played against in the NBA? And Draymond listed LeBron James, of course, Rajon Rondo, CP3. And he said, "Surprise! this was a big surprise to me. Coming up, John Morant is kind of mm-hmm. in that just right below. He said, it always feels like a chess match. And it, he always is trying to think the next step ahead. I thought that was really interesting because we don't generally talk about jaw that way. You know, yeah. like we talk about this like super flying athletic type of guy and not this like super basketball mind. And I, I just think that's that's fascinating to me. Um, and if he's turns into a ba- basketball mind, like one of the other players, like he, he's a, going to the hall of fame, right? Like that, that's kind of the long story short with Jaws career, like long look ahead. Yeah. I mean, there's probably like a certain level of bias with everybody that you just think like when guys are that athletic they don't think through the game because they just assume their athleticism is going to get them what they want. <clears throat> Russell Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> um, you said it, not me. <laughs> Even though I agree. Uh, and like you just said, sometimes that stereotype is right. But you're right. This guy, if it's if his game truly is as much mental as it is physical, that's what's going to give Jaw the ability to play in this league at an incredibly high level for a long time if it's just the athleticism that's when you start getting worried of like okay if one knee injury happens like what's gonna become of his career and Derek Rose got into this a little bit right another popular comparison for John Moran and it took Derek Rose a while to kind of figure out the rest of the game to be honest once he did come back from his injury whole bit whatever don't need to go down that road but jaw it's like the way he can throw lobs to a pick and roll man or a back cutter or to throw the cross corner kick out or to get his own thing to the rim a floater a pull up now like that is advanced level point guard play for someone in their what third year right yeah yeah and from murray state like it's not like he came from like this great coaching tree of like Mike Shashetsky or something, you know, it's just like, no, he's just kind of a dude who just plays a lot of basketball and is like, maybe he has, okay, let's just talk about coaches. Maybe he has the best coach in the NBA. 
So, yeah, I want to give Ja all the credit in the world. There's obviously more people that deserve credit for his development, but I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to think based off of that Draymond comment that this isn't going to be a sustainable career for John Morant. Yeah, I mean, like the he's playing at such a high level um, this year. I thought that quote was just super interesting from the standpoint of I haven't thought of Jaws that type of player. Um, but when you're in your third year and you're getting compliments from Draymond G- Green, who's one of the smartest NBA players we that is in the league currently, uh, I think that's just high praise for such a young player and. Um, it's kind of crazy because we're talking, we've talked about the Grizzlies, at least we did preseason about, are they like retooling? Like, what are they really doing this season? Because they traded away Jonas Valanciunas for traded for Steven Adams. Um, and we kind of thought they would be like in the playing conversation. And all of a sudden, like they're going to host a playoff. Se- like they're hosting a home playoff series. Like that's just, it's incredible, and I, I'm just super impressed with this team so far. Yeah, and to talk about some of these other guys now that are making this team a great team, I mean, the two co-stars that are starting to get some more publicity are Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. Mm. And I know I made the Bain comment earlier of, like, is Andrew Wiggins and Desmond Bain, like, statistically not the exact same player? <laughs> so true so and true like they have like identical go look like they have like identical stats essentially and i get love desmond bain just absolutely furious he's not on the boston Celtics. Um, <laughs> but i mean they're getting all the praise that they deserve and mm. honestly still not enough um jackson defensively starting to come around bain just doing a lot more with the ball in his hands um, is really cool to see and especially knowing like his backstory of like the small school Indiana you know no one really offering him anything somehow gets TCU works his way up over four years eventually like starts getting some publicity his last year last pick of the first round which is kind of a dump honestly by Boston to Memphis and here he is now um, second year in the league, just killing it. So, I, again, they're like just really good players. Not all stars, but just really good players. Although I could make some arguments. Um, and then you mentioned the Stephen Adams trade, which I, I mean, Ryan, like, truth serum. Did you think Stephen Adams was like washed? I mean. It- that situation in New Orleans last year was so weird. It's such a weird fit. It's always Stephen Adams' game has always been about the things that don't show up in the box score. But yeah, it, it's a little concerning when your dude like doesn't really do much either defensively or offensively. Like when he starts slipping on the like the defensive end, his end that he's supposed to be best at. I don't. I mean, like, I was really concerned, and everyone thought that was a huge, that was a bad trade for Memphis, and it turns out it's an, an okay d- deal yeah. for them. Yeah, it gives them something different that they mm. may not have had before. Um, this Memphis team, as much as we like them, like, it's not like they're 
great in every area of the game. Like they're bottom five in like what percentage of their shots are threes and free throws. Um, so they take a lot of still like just either putting shots up at the rim or mid range. That's what that effectively means. And so playing that way, like there's only certain teams that can play that way and be good at it, to be honest. Right. Um, we mentioned like the Suns earlier being a team like that. And no one really think of the Grizzlies as like the Suns in terms of that um, model. But one thing that helps the Grizzlies because they're not that level is offensive rebounding and therefore Steven Adams. Um, Steven Adams, Ryan, if you had to take a guess, how many offensive rebounds per game is he averaging? Like three and a half, I would guess. Somewhere in that book. So you were close. Mm. So John Morant averages one and a half offensive rebounds per game. Dylan Brooks, who's only played about half the year, averages one a game. Jaron Jackson Jr. averages one and a half per game. DeAnthony Melton averages one a game. Kyle Anderson averages one a game. Like you go down the list, Brandon Clark averages two a game. John Conchar averages one a game. So all these guys that legitimately do play, like most games, Xavier Tillman averages one a game. Like the, all these guys play a lot of games and they're all averaging one, two, three, four offensive rebounds a game. Like these guys just kind of find a way to like get to the ball, but also without giving up tons in transition either because they're just kind of those youthful, like we still got our legs, so let's use them, teams. And so it kind of counterbalances the fact that they don't do a lot of like the analytic style offenses, which is threes, free throws, and shots at the rim. So it's like they've just kind of found organic basketball ways of complementing their own strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's just something that's really cool that we just don't really get to see anymore. Cause not that I hate analytics. I mean, like I actually love them, but they've just found ways to figure out what they're not good at and have a natural solution. I think that's cool. It's good on the coaching staff, you know, to kind of put their team counter counterbalance their team that way. And, Man, we touched on Jaron Jackson Jr. a second ago, and I just kind of want to get back to that. He's been, like, just incredible this year. Like, we all thought, like, there was this really good player, and then he kind of has been injured the last couple of seasons. Um, and he's just been absolutely just a monster on the defensive end. And then his, like, three-point shooting rate has been pretty solid for a big man this year. Yeah. He's like what, like thirty, low thirties. I think like thirty-two percent. But yeah, no, he's a better shooter than that. But yeah, right now it's sitting at about thirty-two percent. Dude loves shooting the ball. Um, but most importantly, like rim protection, like it's just hard to score on him. And he's gonna be in some defense player of the year conversations. He's gonna be in, um, you know, all defensive team conversations. And I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be right there. And the, the pairing of John Jaron Jackson Jr. has been finally starting to come together. We've been kind of waiting on it and it seems like it's starting to finally mesh this year. Yeah. Talked about the health of Jaron Jackson Jr. Has played 50 out of the 51 games for Memphis this year. That's a big deal. Big deal for him. Massive for them. Yeah. If that can hold up, that's, that's a complete game changer for this team. 
Okay, last one here. Your Cleveland Cavaliers, Ryan. I'll, I'll let you just as you will here. <laughs> I've got to start with my boy Jared Allen. I I was like three seasons too early on the Jared Allen for uh, most improved. Uh, this dude's been so good. He's been one of the best rim protectors in the league this year. He's anchored their defense. And um, he's just been – I'm finally glad people are seeing Jared Allen's value. And I can't believe – I cannot believe that he was a throwaway in the James Harden trade. Like, let's, let, let's rethink this. The Houston Rockets had an opportunity to take Jared Allen, a young center – and they said, nah, we'll rather, we would rather have Victor Oladipo. I know. Coming off an injury. I... Coming off an injury, he's not even there anymore. <laughs> they, like, rerouted him. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. But Jared Allen's good. I, I'm glad he's starting to get the recognition that he deserves. Um, and, and this Cavs team has just been the biggest surprise in the NBA this season. Like, they're, they're flirting with – hosting a playoff series which like they've been miserable outside of having LeBron James on their team like the third as of this recording 30 and 19 that's 10 games above 500 if if you would have told me the Cavaliers were 10 games above 500 at the beginning of the season I would have been like did the Lakers trade LeBron back to Cleveland like what (laughs) what happened um yeah, but Jared Allen, I, I just got to highlight my boy Jared Allen there to start because he's been just one of the one of the greatest joys uh, so far of this early season. Um, and not, let's not even mention a guy like Darius Garland, right? Like, yeah, he's again all star. Did we? I, I he he had the lost season in college, right? He played at Purdue. Where did he play? Purdue, uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt that's right and he had that last season was the fifth pick and yeah fourth fifth yeah so like I don't all the years of watching Darius Garland I did not see this from him well again this Cavs team has just been so bad and I think you start realizing that with some of these players like an NBA like sure individual talent like matters and I mean probably more than a lot of sports actually, but it's hard to win in the NBA when like you're the only talented player on your roster. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, Darius Garland's an all-star, right? Like we think, <laughs> I don't know with the whole Andrew Wiggins thing, it has me rethinking this whole all-star thing, but yeah, I mean, I think he's going to, what, I mean, Jared Allen or Darius Garland should be an all-star, right? Yeah. Oh, at least one, if not both. Um, and so uh, it's just this Cavs team is just a complete it's been a nice surprise. Um, they're top 10 defensively, I think, as a team, um, which is another surprise. Like this team just hasn't been good um, for for years and a lot of the reason why is they just haven't been good on the defensive side of the ball um i mean like uh, guys like colin sexton excuse me have been able to carry this team 
at times in previous season offensively, but then defensively, they've just fallen apart. And um, some of that also goes to their incredible rookie, Evan Mobley, who mm-hmm. third pick in the draft, right? Yes. Yep. Behind Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green. I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's a comparison I can find for Evan Mobley. But to me, when I watch him, he looks like kind of a young Anthony Davis. And see, that's it's so hard because the game now is different than how it was even when Davis came to the league 10 years ago. Right. Let alone older players that some people like to pull up, like Chris Bosh or Kevin Garnett or Tim Duncan or different things. Um, like, it is such a different game now. Mm. So it's like hard to make those comparisons. But if you're just talking about defense, like, because that part of the game to a degree hasn't changed of can you slide? Can you move? Can you rotate? Can you protect the rim straight up? His answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) He can do it all. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, I mean, he's in the all-star conversation. He, the Cavs have legitimately three dudes in the all-star conversation. It's kind of crazy that as a rookie, he has... Really in the all-star conversation personally, because I think his offense is actually still pretty significant work in progress. But I get like the idea of like, you at least toss his name in there. Just Yeah, right. I mean, it's out there. I'm not saying he's necessarily like the... Uh, he's a lock for the all-star, uh, but like you see his name thrown around and yeah, offensively, this is where the team kind of, it's a bunch of Darius Garland and you kind of hope you get some production from some other guys um, because like the offense hasn't been that good, but the defense has been like really outstanding for this team. Yeah. So yeah. far. Um, and that's what, what's been super impressive. Um, I keep coming back to that, but um, I mean, I think they have a really good shot still at hosting a home playoff series. The East is so tight though. I could see this team making a frisky first round um, like fight with a, like one of the top East teams. Mm -hmm. But do you see this team as a legit like second round team? No, no, yeah. not this year for sure. Um, also, part of it's like you just can't have dead money for like this type of team sitting on your cap, which due to injury, context like, and Ricky Rubio are. So yeah. I guess that leads me to like one of the bigger questions for this team. What do you do with Colin Sexton? Because he's a restricted free agent this year with the emergence of Darius Garland. Do you keep him? Do you try to ship them for something else? Yeah. And not obviously the exact same at all, but Ben Simmons, his question is more so like, what is his value to other teams? That's that question is also applicable to Colin Sexton. What is his value to other teams? And I don't know that answer at all. Like, I have no idea what most teams in the NBA think of Colin Sexton because it's like, okay, we can find a six-foot guard who wants to chuck. And 
does so at decent efficiency. Like you can just get that guy elsewhere, you know? So why would we trade for him and then subsequently have to pay him 10, 20 million dollars a year? Right. That's the thing with Sexton. Sure, you could send him somewhere for like a couple second round picks, but I don't know for much more than that, like what you think you're getting for him. Yeah. I mean, that's the tough thing. Like what team I feel like Colin Sexton's long-term role is going to be six man. So like who wants to pay their six man, like 18, $20 million. That's, I mean, that's a great point. I think he, he could be a good fit. I mean, maybe Portland would be willing to take a swing on him since this year is kind of lost. Maybe a team like New Orleans could do something. I was just thinking New Orleans. Like, is there some Devontae Graham swap mm. here? That could be good. I mean, get get immediate help. Do you feel like Devontae Graham's maybe a little bit redundant with Darius Garland? I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Colin Sexton. But, like, yeah, slightly undersized guard who just kind of shoots a lot. But yeah. Maybe there's a San Antonio deal. Like, you could get – Derek White, maybe, or one of their other, like Devin Vassell. I don't know, some wings. I feel like you'd also have to attach something to Sexton. But, I mean, if you have, like, an extra pick or something. Yeah. Like, I guess you could. I don't know their pick situation off the top of my head. But, I mean, maybe in that situation, maybe. I mean, there's only so many teams, though, like we saying, I need this type of guy. So, it's like we, this deal just happened – six months too late yeah you know right right and maybe that's something like work out in the off season and a sign and trade um rubio's kind of a bummer too because like he was playing so well for them he was shooting pretty efficient efficiently they brought in rondo which could kind of i mean kind of gets the same idea but obviously not doesn't have quite the chemistry with like a guy like Kevin Love who has really been unlocked. And that's kind of another name that I wonder if they're willing to part with at the trade deadline. It's going to be tough though, because of how much Kevin Love makes. Um, I don't, I mean, I can't think of a guy out there or a combo guys that would get to Kevin Love's number. Sure. Um, So I don't know. That may be an inter- another person the Cavs could look at moving um, for redundancy sake. But, I mean, what what do you see as their timeline going forward? Like, you have these two centers, and that's not – we're not even talking about a guy like Laurie Markinen, who's essentially the third center in their starting lineup. I'm still – I think I'm still in the, like – the ne- whatever happens this year and the next two are gravy. Mm. Like, like if you're going to accumulate players, do it similar to like what Memphis has done, which is like good role players who you can get on like reasonable contracts, like DeAnthony Melton, you know, Kyle Anderson, like those type of players on good deals and, work from there i mean they effectively have their version of dylan brooks and laurie markinen um so keep building that way and then we've talked about memphis on our trade pod a couple weeks ago like do they need to consolidate a little get to the 
if I'm Cleveland, I want to get to the point where it's like, okay, we can consolidate now. I don't feel like they're really at that point yet, though, of like, we're just good with mm. a lot of, you know, just league average good pieces that are working well together. I want them to take that step over the next couple of years and then get to the, hey, let's let's do something now. Because Garland doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Mobley, obviously, you have under team control for forever. And Jarrett Allen, his game doesn't really feel like it's going to change or drop off in the next couple of years either. Yeah, and you just signed him to that extension, right? Five years, $100 right. million. So you have him locked up. Um, yeah, I, I would feel pretty good. About, you can sustain, maybe you have a Knicks-like season where it's like kind of drops a little bit, but you can bounce back the following year. Again, whatever good happens is gravy the next two. Accumulate, like get some of these average NBA players to like be willing to come to you via trade or free agency. Mm-hmm. Build a good team, be sustainable as a average-ish team for a couple, two more years. And then go make your move. It's good. Yeah. I wonder what I know they just like saw Lori Markinen, or I guess traded for Lori Markinen and signed, signed him to a contract. I wonder what his like long term value is there. You guys, I mean, we you have guys like Isaac Coro too, um, mm-hmm. who you drafted out of Auburn, who's in his second year. Um, and good it's just a limited role still yeah right because his game is still pretty offensively right. limited um you you hope the shot comes eventually but defensively he's been pretty spectacular yeah. um i don't i don't know yeah i mean there's obviously still a long way for this team to go it's not like they're a championship contender like i, I think we both agree that this is a first round exit maybe or a second round team at best, but like depends on who they get in the first round. But yeah, I mean, like Atlanta kind of showed like you just get the right matchups, and you could end up in an Eastern Philly. Conference. <laughs> you could end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, you're a rolled ankle away from, you know, maybe making it further than that too. So I don't. It's kind of an interesting spot for the Cavs to be in. I wonder like what they do um, with some of this big center lineup stuff. I know they've kind of zagged um, and I wonder how sustainable that is. I mean, they are 23rd in points per game, um, but opponents point per game, they're second. So like, obviously it's been working so far. Um, I just wonder long-term does that work? And I guess we'll kind of have to see wait not wait on that. But those were our midseason surprises of the week or of the year so far. Midseason surprises of the year. Good lord, it is late, Matt. I'm running out of juice here. Uh, so let's wrap this podcast up with league pass teams of the week. Who you got this week? Who are you watching? So I will tune into the ever eventful New York Knicks. Oh god. Uh, yeah, losers of three straight now. Um, they have. The Kings, Grizz, and Lakers upcoming this week. Those first two at home. I mean, it. not that their season's off track, but it feels like to get it 
back on track. They need to win a couple of those because that Lakers game is the first game of a little West Coast road trip where they'll be going to Utah, Denver, Golden State, and Portland as well. So you could tell me just this breaks terribly for the Knicks. And of their next seven games, they go like two and five. And Are they going to be like out of the playing conversation by like all-star break time in like mid-February? That's, that's the worrisome part, Ryan. Because even their last two games before All-Star break are home thunder, home nets. Like, you could tell me that that's one of those thunder games where thunder's like, yeah, let, let's not tank this one. <laughs> you know? I, I have no faith in these Knicks over these next two weeks. I mean, it's going to be – they're currently a full game back of the 10 and being in the play-in. They're a half a game back of the 11 and the Washington Wizards right now. They're sitting at 50 games. They're 23 and 27 right now. They have 32 games left. Mm-hmm. You feel like you have to win. You have to go better than 500 in the rest of your games to make the play-in. Yeah. I mean, because you got to go 18 and 14 just to be 500. Which in the East, that's what it looks like it's going to take to make it's, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, I don't know if this team's going 18 and, what do we say, 18 and 14? 14, 14. yeah. Plus four, knowing they might go minus three over these just to get to all-star break. Yeah. So then you have to go, what is that, eight? If you go 0 and 3, you would have to go. They'd have to go like 16 and 9. Um, the rest of the way. Yeah, I don't have any confidence in that. Uh, yeah, that's not. I don't know how much confidence I have in like Washington or Atlanta either. Atlanta just ripped off six straight though. So I don't know. I... Yeah, I mean, this could be the next season right here in this next little stretch. Yeah. Yikes. Man, that's rough. Like I said, when Derrick Rose got hurt, their offense is also going to be reevaluated in six to eight weeks. And so Booty. here we here, <laughs> here we are. Uh, on that note, I have the Pelicans this week, Matt, uh, who I don't have who they're playing. Let me pull that up really quick. But I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, I guess Zion. Um, Stop it. <laughs> might be coming back. He posted something on Instagram this week. So here, uh, the Pelicans coming up on the 31st, they have uh, the Cavaliers on Cavaliers. Uh, then they have the Pistons. So that'll be nice to see Ked Cunningham on Tuesday. They have back-to-back. And then they have a little bit of break. Friday, they play the Nuggets. And then next Sunday, they play the Rockets. So they could go 500 in those games. Yeah. Potentially. I, mean, I think, I mean... I don't know how much they are really keen on making the playoffs this year. I guess they're still in the chase for the 10. You got to go at least two and two. Yeah. And, you you, and after that, so. You got to, I mean, you got to think the Clippers, if they start shutting guys down or maybe make a trade deadline, they might start falling off. So there might be a spot there that you can fight for. Yeah. And if Zion comes back, maybe, you know, maybe. 
Um, Herb Jones? Herb <laughs> Jones? Anybody? Uh, anyways. Uh, Matt, this has been a fun episode. Episode 132. Have anything to add about uh, Championship Sunday and, and football? Um, go Bengals. Oh, go Bengals. Hey, Joe Burrow has been my playoff big money ride or die guy now. <laughs> so, I mean, what uh, what was his celebration when LSU won the won the championship? Get me fitted for that ring. Is he gonna be doing that on uh, after yeah, this weekend? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But uh, thank you so much for listening to episode 132. We will see you back for episode 133. Yeah.